It's said that your real life begins where your comfort zone ends. Well, it's about to get real as we have radically authentic conversations to help you thrive in your personal and professional life while navigating the twists and turns of being human. Buckle up, because this might get uncomfortable. Starts right now with Jason Robel and Whitney Lordson. Today, I read a little blurb based on some news, and I found it a really fascinating element of human psychology. So I'll read it out loud. This is about people that climb Mount Everest. There are actually so many people that are climbing it that traffic jams of people have started to develop. And these jams may be contributing to some deaths. In fact, this week, two mountaineers passed away on their way back from the summit. Or actually, one person died on the way back from the summit, and another died fainting from high-altitude sickness while descending. And one climber, a separate from those two that passed away, one climber posted a photo this past Wednesday, so two days ago, as of the time we're recording this, of the human traffic on Mount Everest. And they estimated that there are about 320 people in line waiting to stand on the summit in an area of Mount Everest called the Death Zone. And overall, more than 200 climbers have died on the peak since 1922. And this is just a little side fact. Most bodies are believed to still be buried under glaciers or snow. I'm getting all of this from CNN. Anyway, so I read this and then looked at this photo of this line of people. And It looks like something that you would see outside of a popular restaurant in New York City, you know? It looks like something at a festival, right? And so maybe you could just glance at this photo and think, oh, no big deal, another line of humans. But then when you really examine it and you step back and think, this is a line of over 300 people who are waiting to get to a point of Everest that's known as the death zone. So it's almost like they're waiting in line to enter the death zone, quite literally, right? And of course, they're not expecting to die. I think it's called the death zone because this area is most commonly responsible or it's the area in which many people pass away, even though, as I said, this week, the two people that passed away were descending. They're on their way back from it. But aside from the point, I think that they're speculating that because there's so many people now that are climbing Mount Everest, It's causing these traffic jams and it's taking longer to get back. And so that might be responsible for high altitude sickness. I'm not an expert in this, but from my vague understanding, I think the longer that you're up there, the more you're exposed to high altitude and they're perhaps more at risk. And I also imagine that the crowds probably lead to a lot of things. A, it's, it's harder to keep track of people. There's more people. So there's likely less people paying attention to what's going on. Maybe you're getting less care from, I forget the name of people that lead you up there, the The guys. Yeah, Sherpas, right? Assuming that's the case with Mount Everest. So this photo, though, is really what blew my mind because Jason and I had this brief discussion before recording that it's like 
people are so desperate to reach the pinnacle of this mountain. Or is it a mountain? Yeah. yeah Mount Everest. Yes, yeah. Mount Everest. <laughs> I wanted to make sure I used the right word. <laughs> Mount Everest seems like above and beyond my, I've never even seen Mount Everest, right? So it's like my view of a mountain is like a dwarf compared to Mount Everest. So it, it seems like it's in a class of its own. Anyway, so you look at this picture, which I really encourage people to check out. Well, we can link to this article I read on CNN, and we'll put that in the show notes. And this photo is is just fascinating. It's beautiful, right? Because it's something that you don't get to see very often, especially taken by a person. A lot of times I feel like it's taken by a nature photographer, but this almost could be like a picture from somebody's iPhone. Who knows? (laughs) It's a beautiful photo. And then when you really examine it and see all these people and think, first of all, being in a line of 300 people is miserable. Like, I no mean, matter where you are, I think about like waiting in line to go on a roller coaster and you're there for hours. Can you imagine being at the top of Mount Everest waiting in line? And I think that was where this inspiration to talk about this came from is that you're already so high up. Why do you need to go to the highest point? And I think that's the crux of this conversation is is that people are so desperate to get to the highest possible level, in this case, literally on Mount Everest, but in general, that they're willing to risk their lives. They're willing to be incredibly uncomfortable. And so there is part of it that thinks, wow, this is quite the achievement. And if you want something badly enough, you'll risk it all, right? I don't think that that there's anything wrong with this concept of perhaps risking your life to get to the highest level. But I, I also think there's this element of ego involved. Like I would rather chance death than choose safety because it's so important to me that I get to the highest point, that the point that I'm at currently, again, you look at this photo, and this person is already almost at the top. Yeah. But being almost at the top is not enough for the ego. Mm-hmm. So your ego wants this so badly, it's willing to wait in line. And maybe that's just me projecting onto it all of these similarities that I pointed out. Like I think about people waiting in line to take photos. Like if you go to a festival or even in Los Angeles, we have certain walls around the city where people will take photos. There's this one in particular called the Pink Wall. It's on Melrose Avenue. And every time I drive by there, there's a group of people taking their photos in front of this pink wall. It's and the this Paul is, Smith store. It's been going on for years, I think, right? Mm-hmm. At least eight years. Yeah. Really? It's been that long? Yeah. Because I remember back in 2011, 2012. Yeah. Wow. Absolutely. I feel like I didn't really notice it until the past year or two. I guess I knew it was there conceptually, but I didn't really notice the groups, the people. And so these people literally wait in line to take a photo, which has become very cliche in front of this pink wall. And every time I drive by, I think, wow, that is so fascinating that people want a photo in front of this pink wall so badly. I mean, it could be any wall, but the fact that it's pink, the fact that it's popular, people will wait in line for it. Now, that. I think in our society right now with social media makes some sense. But I just wonder when I look at this photo of Mount Everest, which is very different than a pink wall, of course, right? But it's this idea of almost like I'm wondering if these people are driven to prove something. They, they want to come back and tell the story 
that they got to the top. And maybe their ego is so connected to that experience that they would feel embarrassed or they wouldn't feel like they pushed themselves hard enough if they went down having not reached the very top. Mm -hmm. Right. I think it's a good question, though, of what is motivating that desire. And you talk about ego, but a layer deeper. Is it the sense of deep, lifelong lasting accomplishment? Is it the sense of significance that your family and friends and followers will see that you've done it? Therefore, you know, boosting your sense of purpose, boosting your sense of importance. So is it significance and importance that people really, really want? Is that the layers under the ego? And examining this, it's really interesting you brought this up, Whitney, because gosh, this was a couple weeks ago. I can't remember if I send you this article. I might have, but Outside Magazine, Outside.com, the digital version of Outside Magazine, published an article about selfie deaths being on the rise and that there's this phenomenon now of people putting themselves into extreme and sometimes not so extreme situations in nature to get the shot for their Instagram or their social media. Right. And that statistically yes. now we are seeing that there has been an upswing in selfie-related deaths. Mm. And it was specifically talking about certain influencers or Instagram stars that have died recently. One in particular was a woman who made a habit of going to ascending certain mountain peaks and certain really high elevation places and posing in bikinis and doing it for her Instagram feed. And she died recently. She fell to her death. Mm. And there was another person that they were at a zoo, you know, posing next to the tiger cage and the tiger mauled this person. It goes on and on. And most of these things, most of the stories in this article, it was really great. We'll link to it in the show notes as well. But talking about this idea that we need to constantly top ourselves mm -hmm. and that for travel bloggers and people who are extreme athletes and people who are doing things like going to Mount Everest, there's this sense of I've got to constantly top myself. Yep. And so they're doing more and more extreme, dangerous things to stay relevant and stay significant by posting videos and photos of them in these type of situations. Mm -hmm. But some of them are dying. We're talking about death here. Yep. We're not talking about dismemberment. We're not talking about a broken back. We're talking about death. And it reminds me, and I know I've shared this during wellness warrior training and probably other times, but one of my favorite quotes is from the tennis great Martina Navratilova. And my favorite quote of her, she said, the moment of victory is too short to live for that and nothing else. Yes. So this idea that I need to get to the peak of Everest, I need to go to this cliffside and dangle from the very edge of the cliff, which there was in that article too, talking about these people that go to these high rise buildings and they will dangle, like appear to be dangling off the edge and get the shot for their Instagram. <laughs> well, some of them have fallen off the top of a building. Oh my it's like for your, and listen, for your Instagram feed, for real, like I'm reading this article and I, I'm, to be honest, part of me was just shaking my head. I'm like, have we gotten to the point, have we reached the nadir of narcissism in our society where people are literally dying for photos for their Instagram feed? It kind of broke my heart to read this because it's like people feel that they need to constantly do more and be better and achieve. And I think there's this weird apex. What comes up for me, Wit, in this discussion is this apex of achievement mindset and narcissism meeting to the point where people are literally giving their lives to try and get the shot or get the video. And I think there's something intrinsically broken in the human psyche about 
you are willing to go to that level. And we're not talking about saving a drowning child. We're not talking about saving your dog from a burning building. We're talking about you getting a shot for social media here. Mm -hmm. This is not a life or death situation, but people are giving their lives. Hundreds of people. Again, this article goes into such interesting detail about the lengths people are going to to get these pictures and these videos. And it just blows my mind that are we in a point culturally where people are so desperate for significance and achievement, they're willing to do anything to do it? This also reminds me of on a contrast because this is an interesting thing and and it could be either side. It's hard to know because I think it's a case-by-case basis. Mm -hmm. So first of all, I just pulled up the image the Instagram account for the guy that took that photo that I'm describing. The Everest photo. Yeah. yeah. And his name is Nermal Perja. Mm-hmm. I might be pronouncing that incorrectly. And he has a, I think he has a brand called Power of Possible. I don't know how old he is. I don't know anything about him. But his most recent photo, it was a day ago. So this is like that recent. So this was yesterday. So anyways, this is super recent. And he posts the photo. His caption says, on May 22nd, I summited Everest despite the heavy traffic, roughly 320 people. Today I have arrived at the base camp and he, and I guess that's all he's really saying, but there's a picture of him at the top. That was actually what I was curious to see. Did, you know, do people actually take photos? Is that what they're waiting for? Are they waiting in line to get up there or are they waiting in line to get photos or both? And I guess we can't judge it because I don't know if all 320 people went up there to get a photo, but he did. And yeah, he takes this. He's the one that has that picture that you can see. So we can link to him as well in the show notes at wellevator.com. That's W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R. And you can really examine it. And he talks about his supporters and sponsors and all that. And it looks like this, his whole career is based upon things like this. And he actually looks like a, a fairly young guy. I mean, when I look at his photos, again, without having much context for the work that he's doing, it looks like he has a whole project about climbing to the peak of different mountains in a certain amount of time. So I think if we looked at him, to me, my feeling just at this first glance, my first impression is he's different than in my head, as judgmental as this might see. It's different than a girl in her bikini taking a picture and risking her life because she knows that sex sells and she wants to use her body to get attention and validation, right? Mm-hmm. I think that's part of the the judgment that's there, or or even men, right? There's plenty of men. It's not gender specific. There's plenty of men that are posing with their shirts off or or they're doing various things to get that attention, validation, the likes, the comments, the engagement, the money from the sponsors, all that stuff mm-hmm. that may come across a little vapid. This guy, Nermal, my impression is that he has a deep passion for climbing and he reminds me more of the star of the documentary Free Solo. Have you seen that yet? No. Oh my gosh. That movie, I found it so incredibly well done. It is one of the literal edge of your seats because I actually don't want to say anything about why. No spoilers. <laughs> no spoilers. I am not going to spoil it for sure, but I, it is such a, an incredible documentary. I think it, it won for Best Picture in 2019. Yep, it did. I'm looking right now. Academy Award for Best Documentary Feature. I mean, it won a lot of awards and was nominated for many as well. So 
That'll also be in the show notes at wellevator.com, free solo, the documentary. And, and the reason I bring that up is because the movie is about a professional rock climber who attempts to conquer the first free solo climb of El Capitan, which is a 900-meter vertical rock face at Yosemite. And for me, since I'm not, just like I said with Mount Everest, I'm, I'm not an expert in, in climbing <laughs> at all. So you, you might read that description and think, okay, interesting. But when you watch the documentary, what makes it incredible is that nobody has ever done that before because it is he's literally climbing without any support. He's climbing just with his hands and his feet. He doesn't have equipment on him, which is what most rock climbers do is they have the ropes and the chains, all that stuff, right? He's pulling himself up with his body and supporting himself, and he's using his hands to put them in the right cracks and to grip things. I mean, it is unbelievable. And part of what's fascinating about the movie is the psychology of why this man wants to do this virtually impossible thing. And he knows that he's risking his life. And that's, again, why this movie is so incredible, is that you're watching somebody attempt something. And again, I I won't tell you what happens and if he accomplishes it or not. But you're watching this thinking there's a very high probability of this man falling to his death. There's also probability that he's going to give up. You're watching this not knowing what's going to happen. And then the filmmakers are asking him, why are you doing this? And from my perception of this man named Alex, he doesn't come across. He's not doing it for the selfie or the Instagram. I don't even think that he brought anything along to document it aside from the filmmakers. <laughs> yeah. And there's also a point in the movie where he starts to question whether he even wants anybody to capture this because the pressure of it being documented. And then the other element of the movie that's crazy is that the filmmakers themselves start to think that they might be interfering with his abilities because that pressure of being on camera. Yeah. And yeah. really what it comes at a certain point I think he says He would just much rather do it on his own. He doesn't need it to be documented. Mm. He's doing it for himself. He's not doing it for the documentary. I don't think the idea had anything to do with the documentary. It's just that, and maybe they explain this in the film, how it even happened. I think maybe the filmmakers maybe convinced him or whatever else happened. And you see the conflict. The director is on camera at certain points, feeling conflicted about it. And that's part of what makes that movie so feel so pure to me is that it's not like I'm going to impress the world by attempting this thing and documenting. This man to me does not feel like he has an ego tied into it for validation. His motivation for doing this is about his internal motivation, his internal drive, his desire where he feels like his entire life is leading up to this moment, Mm -hmm. that he's spent all of these years practicing something and attempting thing, you know, and you get to witness everything that it's taking and how it's the culmination of his entire life. And that's how I feel like there's a difference here. Again, having this first impression of this man, Nermal, from Mount Everest, it seems to me maybe leaning more towards that Alex free solo experience where maybe Nermal's in that because of it's a drive. Mm-hmm. He just happens to be documenting it on Instagram. And maybe he's doing it to show other people that they can accomplish whatever they want. Right. Right. I think that's very different than somebody that takes photos simply because they want the validation of others. Mm -hmm. 
And are they risking their lives because they want to prove something to themselves or other people? And I think that that's a very fine line, right? And maybe this man, Alex, I think it's Alex Hunold that uh, is in the movie Free Solo. Maybe he does have something to prove, but it's for himself. Maybe he feels like if he doesn't achieve this, then he's not a good climber or he's not worthy or, you know, whatever else the drive is there. Right. Yeah. So I think is that similar to a drive to prove yourself to other people? Mm. Right. Is it that you need the approval for other people to feel like you're worthy as a human being? Or is that the same thing as needing the self-approval? To feel worthy. I think right? this is a super fine line, right? Because mm-hmm. if we extrapolate this to any industry, you know, I think when someone invests years of training and experience and hard work and faith and blood and sweat and all of the things that go into any profession, certainly, you know, if you look at sports, you know, since we are talking about climbing here, you know, in any industry, it's, you know, winning the championship. I mean, for most probably athletes, it's this idea that you want to compete for a championship and ultimately win that. Because it's it's some level of I've reached the pinnacle of the thing that I've been training my entire life to do. But in this age we live in, you can't do it in a vacuum. On a certain level, in any profession, I think, there's going to be eyeballs on you. There's going to be expectation. There's going to be lots of money involved. If you look at the arts or athletics or whatever it is, you know, you scale your abilities to a certain point and you put it out in the public eye. I think it's incredibly challenging to stay self-motivated and not let the desires, whims, expectations, and perspectives of other influence you. I mean, how could you? We, we live in an age of Twitter and Instagram and Facebook where, my God, it's like, you know, I don't follow a ton of like whatever celebrity accounts on my feeds, but I have a few people that I really respect as artists. And the sheer number of comments they get on every single post is unbelievable. And you think about that much energy being bombarded at you as a public figure, no matter what your profession is, that's got to be incredibly challenging to say, like, what is my actual motivation? Or am I doing this to try and fulfill the expectations of others? Or is this, I'm trying to prove my legacy, right? Like, you think about this, and two of my favorite things are, you know, um, basketball and music, right? Two of my great passions. And there's a very similar thing, you know, if I think about when Freddie Mercury, for an example, went and started his solo career, you know, musicians will do that. They'll be in a band and they'll have a disagreement or a fight. The band will break up for a little while and one of the band members will go and start a solo career because so often you hear in interviews and Freddie's just one example of like, I had to prove I could do it on my own. I didn't need these guys. And often those albums are not as good as the band because there was a certain chemistry, but athletics and I think other things, art collectives are the same. It's like we're part of this group. But there's this idea that I need to prove I can do it on my own, right? And go off and like prove my legacy independent of this group. So is it possible that we can do anything ego-less in this world? I don't know. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's possible. I think about this all the time of are any of my motivations not tied to ego? Or is there some level of identity or... I mean, I think about what the things I'm passionate about, you know, music and cooking and public speaking and, you know, comedy and all like there's definitely a part of like for me, especially growing up the way I did of always feeling like I needed to prove myself. Mm-hmm. And that's been very hard for me to unravel as an adult because that's still there is like I'm going to prove to you how good I am. I'm going to prove to the world that I'm the shit, that I'm the best right. at this. I mean, I think most of us as human beings experience something in our lives where we 
don't get the approval of somebody. And then we Usually spend parents. a lot. Yeah. Parents <laughs> for me, like one that comes to mind is a teacher I had in school who I felt was very critical of me, but also wanted to see me succeed. And mm-hmm. so there was this drive of like wanting to get the approval of this teacher, <laughs> you know, or maybe it's being rejected by somebody that you have feelings for romantically. And so you want to prove to them a lot of people get like revenge bodies after they break up. It's like, I'm going to show you how good I look now that we're no longer together and maybe you'll want me back or maybe you'll you'll regret it or whatever. A lot of this is based in other people's perception of us. And I think there's nothing wrong with that. That's a very common human experience. And it also makes me think about if we're sitting here talking about how we don't really enjoy somebody risking their lives for a great photo, right? I mean, first of all, that's if we step back, we can see that as a judgmental comment is we're judging these people for the decisions that we're making. And so what if somebody hears this podcast episode and they've spent their whole Instagram career taking photos like that and they listen to this and then they feel shame? And then maybe we're part of their story of trying to be different. And now it's like they have the opposite thing to prove. No, now they they're not taking bikini photos because they want to prove that they're quote unquote better than that. And they're not taking bikini photos. Maybe they're hanging out in their pajamas and taking photos in their pajamas and trying to look natural and authentic because that feels like the right way to do it. So it's funny how it, it then becomes this like right or wrong way of of living. And I think that's where it is interesting because the ego, I feel like, is involved either way. If you stop doing something because of something somebody said about it, that's still ego at play. That's still you trying to prove yourself to them. And I think that's Jason and I have been having some talks lately about like moral superiority or spiritual superiority. Yeah. yeah. Is like the way you're behaving is not the way I think you should behave in life. And this is the way I behave. And this is the way I want you to behave. And if you don't behave that way, then you're not good enough for me. You're not worthy. And it's almost like by saying those things to you, telling you that they don't like the way you do something and they want you to do it the same way that they do it. It it is kind of this moral or this, like you said, spiritual superiority. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. It's like they become the arbiter of morality or, yeah. or, and it's all relative though, because if we're all on different paths and we're all on different stages of awakening and consciousness, cause there's no end to that. You know, I wrote a blog post all about how we are not woke AF and everyone walking around talking about how woke they are shows how not woke we are when we have to claim it publicly, but whole different blog post, which is on the Wellevator website. But this feeds into like, who are we to say? Like, and honestly, if people want to risk their lives for a selfie, by all means. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it doesn't all, affect us. By, by all means, like, yeah. go for it. I just, the thing that it engenders in me perspective-wise is how insatiable the ego can be that we constantly feel the need to top ourselves, right? And I can imagine some of the comments or responses, yeah, but then if we don't constantly strive for achievement, where's the progress of humanity? We need the progress <laughs> of humanity. Well, because well, the, the opposite side of that too is we can also be judgmental about people who don't strive for achievement. I mean, that can be seen as equally bad. It's yeah. like, you know, if you don't strive for achievement, like you're just wasting your life. I mean, there there's can... a lot of that. No, there's a ton <laughs> so of that. There's, it's kind of two opposite ends of the spectrum. But what about this? If someone 
finds genuine contentment as they are now. I mean, for me, and I had people ask me, like, what's the end goal? I want to feel at peace. I want to feel content. Legit. Like, that's for me. I'm asking myself that question more and more of like, does this bring me peace and contentment? Does this choice? And we don't know for sure, of course, because we don't know what's waiting for us. But the idea that the state of being I want is like, it's not achievement. It's not success. It's that on the other end of it, certain things I feel that I might achieve or succeed at will bring me contentment and peace. Like I can finally rest. And it's not to be doing that from a sense of being lackadaisical or lazy or like, I'm throwing in the towel. But genuinely, like the idea that I have reached a level of expression or mastery in my craft or a certain level of income that I'm like, you know what? This is actually really great. Could I strive for more? Yeah, but I don't want to. I don't want to just because I'm told because I'm being told that I constantly need to be striving for more. Because that doesn't feel like sustainable peace, I think, is what you're saying, is that like striving is not something that you, Jason, associate with being at peace. I do not. And right? and that's been something that I'm mm-hmm. constantly undoing, especially in a culture, especially, you know, exposing ourselves to this thing of up level and, and next level and go to the next level and all these things with, you know, success mindset. Look, I get it. But for me, when I go way, way down that rabbit hole, there feels like there is a shadow side of not enoughness wrapped up in that of, hey, it's not enough that you make 150K a year. You got to be making 300K a year. And it's not enough you're making 300K. You got to hit half a million. To me, it's like, you know what? If I just check in with myself, like this might feel pretty good if I listen to my own internal compass instead of the voices outside telling me what I ought to have or how much I ought to be making or how much I ought to be striving. Well, I think this also comes down to it's all about our personal perception of it. There's nothing wrong with striving. There's nothing wrong with summoning Mount Everest. There's nothing wrong with waiting in line to get up there and to say you did it. There's nothing wrong with taking a picture up there. If that feels good to you, there's just nothing wrong. And maybe it feels good to you because you've proven yourself to yourself. Maybe it feels good to you because you've proven yourself to other people or you're hoping that they'll see your photo and be like, wow, Jason climbed Mount Everest. I can't believe it. Now it's changed our whole perception of him. You know, like, but the funny thing is, I think when it comes to photos, it is so fleeting. It's like, so somebody sees you up on the top of Mount Everest, like for two seconds, they think they're impressed by you. Double tap. And then they go on and they look at somebody else's photo. And maybe maybe that memory sticks around and they think in their head, wow, I didn't know Jason could do that. And then maybe they have this slightly different perception than you. But we have no control over other people's perceptions no, of us. Not. And I think that's the thing, too, is that. It is really about finding our own peace and trying not to judge other people for them finding their peace, because I think for it's confusing. The ego is very confusing. The ego rules us. We live in a, a society where it is common to be driven by our egos. We live in a society that profits uh, off of us being driven by our egos, always wanting more, never feeling enough. That is marketing. Marketing is, I mean, this is a, a blanket statement. But a lot of marketing is based on making people feel like they're not good enough yes, so that they will buy something to make them feel better about themselves, right? And I think uh, it's just very complicated in that sense. And everybody's on a different path. Jason and I were talking about this you know, before recording this episode as well, is, is that 
sometimes we're just in, in different places in our lives than other people. And I think it's very tempting for us to want to judge them for being different than us. But that's our ego judging them. Yes. Yeah. And so this conversation started off with us feeling kind of triggered by people <laughs> waiting in line to Mount Everest. But you know what? Maybe I would wait in line, too. I don't know. Maybe if I climbed Mount Everest, I would think that I might as well wait in line to get to the top. I have no idea what I would feel like. And maybe there's, I don't know if I feel like envy of people doing that because I personally don't feel a desire to go to Mount Everest. I think it'd be cool, but I'm not like, I think that's what's different. And what I was saying about the climbers I mentioned earlier is that their lives have been based around this. So how do we know that those 300 somewhat people that were waiting in line, maybe their entire lives have been building up to that moment and that's why they wanted to get up there. And so, so be it. I think we don't have the answers here. We never really do. <laughs> and um, it's just a conversation. Ultimately, it's an opportunity to check in with ourselves about what drives us. Yeah. Why do we take photos? Why do we post them online? Why do we do things? Why do we wait in line for things? Why do we work so hard and hustle and strive for things? What's the point of it? What makes us feel really good? And I think what I've realized over time is something that made me feel good five, 10 years ago. It doesn't make me feel good now mm -hmm. and vice versa. So it's just a unfolding of life, checking in and trying to figure out what decisions are going to make us feel good and why we're doing them. And is the why behind our decisions something that deeply resonates with us or is it driven by our egos? And is, is that okay with us? Are we okay living a life where our ego feels like it's stronger than it needs to be? I suppose. If our ego is always going to be there, do we want it to be loud or do we want it to be quiet? Do we want it to be ruling us or do we want it to be in some sort of a balance? Mm. All great questions. And that probably is going to bleed into another podcast episode because I feel like this idea of ego and motivation is such a deep subject that maybe there should be a part due. Yeah. Kind of feels that way to me for mm -hmm. the first time. Like there needs to be a part two to this. Yeah. Because there's so, short episode. there's so much more to talk about with this mm -hmm. ego, motivation, all those things. Um, but we do have amazing resources on our blog, which is on the Wellevator website. It's W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R. At least our egos com. think they're amazing. I, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you know? That's true. We'll let you decide what you think. Yeah. But you can find a, a bunch of blog resources there. You can also sign up for our mailing list on the Wellevator website. Where We've got we, a special gift for you. We have a great gift called uh, You Are Enough. Um, it's a great little motivational feel-good tool. And we've also got great resources on there. Um, we also send out emails about our favorite product recommendations, books, and things that are really helping us create a more joyful and contented life as we hope to share those resources with you. So we're on all the social media networks, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. You can find us at Wellevator. And we will be back with more discussions about life, purpose, ego, motivation, all the things that Instagram we're all wrestling with. <laughs> we're all wrestling with these things. Yeah. So you can check out our Instagram and see if you perceive us as being ruled by our egos. Maybe, <laughs> maybe we are. I don't know. <laughs> but our Wellevator is spelled W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R. And we'd love to connect with you there so that we can go and judge your Instagram accounts. Just kidding. <laughs> we won't. We'll, we'll do our best not to do that. <laughs> Talk to you guys soon. Thanks for listening and getting out of your comfort zone with us today. For show notes and more high-performance resources to help you thrive, go to wellevator.com. That's W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com.